0: Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined uh, this week by Jake McGee. How are you doing today, Jake? Ready to be back at it another week. Obviously, not that long since we did the last episode. Uh, We're going to have a very special guest joining us later on in the episode. But we're going to start off uh, with the news. And not a lot of things happening since we last did a show, Jake, because it's only been three days. But has there been any news in the NFL?
1: Well, up until about 30 minutes ago, we would have just had the NFCs, which I'm sure we could talk about for all, you know a good few hours between ourselves, um, but breaking news in terms of Baker Mayfield finally getting out of Cleveland, um going to the Panthers for a conditional 2024 fifth round pick that could turn to a fourth. um Now there's quite a few little nice details this. the Browns will still pay Baker. million means they get to save about 8 million, but obviously, you never really want to be paying a player to not play for you. Um, The Panthers will pay 5 million. Um, They should have been paying 8.5, but Mayfield agreed to trim 3.5 million off his base salary, uh, but that can be earned back in incentives. Um, Now, like I was saying, with a few of the interesting things, now, week one, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Panthers (laughs) and the Panthers now have the number one and the number three picks from 2018 on their team so it's a fascinating deal
0: Uh, it really is and uh, a fifth round conditional pick that's and still paying more (laughs) for the player than
1: the team that you train him to for
0: oh my goodness that's such a good deal for the Panthers and and, you know so good of Baker to, to trim that Three million of office, his office salary. As you say, he can make that back in incentives. You know, if they do well, he can make that back, or depending on how much he plays, how successful the team is. Uh, good for Baker. We all knew that he wanted out. It was obvious that he wanted out. The way he was treated in Cleveland was absolutely despicable. Um, I'm so glad that he got out of it. And he's gone to the Panthers, a team who I think we all agree with you know, they needed a quarterback. And there was some rumors about uh, them looking to get a quarterback before this. So I, I'm I'm glad. I mean, what do you think? What kind of effect do you reckon he'll have on the team there in Carolina?
1: Well, I think it's fantastic. And like you say, with him trimming the deal, I think that's a statement of intent of him saying, I want to play. I'll take it off my base salary, which, you know, you can't take away from me and give it me in incentives because I'm that damn good. Um, no, they've, they've come out already, Panthers, and said that they're not going to hand him the job. It will be... Um, A competition of with Sam Darnold. I mean, it's a rough night to be Sam Darnold and Matt Corral because, you know, you've gone from Sam Darnold being the pretty much guaranteed starter and Matt Corral, you know, having a chance to to get the job if he fails um, to now anything other than Mayfield starting week one, especially because they're playing the Browns, uh, would be just monumental. So I certainly think it'll be a big upgrade for them. If it was anyone other than a team in the NFC South, I would love for him to play fantastically. Obviously, if he plays fantastically, it could have repercussions on my own team. So mixed feelings on that one.
0: Well, yeah, I, obviously, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm just I'm just so happy. I'm happy for him. He's got out. Uh, I'm happy for the Panthers to get someone, and it is. It just it adds another dimension to these week one rematches and matchups. I, I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's going to be really interesting. I'm going to have to get like two different tellies, uh, you know, like one with Red Zone and one with watching games on Sky or something, just to try and keep up with everything that's happening in week one. Um, was there anything else? I don't think there was. Was there any other news in the NFL? I'm, I'm not sure.
1: Nothing. Nothing of note that I could find.
0: No. I think you're right. So, what we'll do then, Jake? How do you fancy doing a deep dive into the NFC East? Shall we do that? Um, uh, Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, well then, ladies and gentlemen, we actually have a very special guest to help us uh, with this week's deep dive in the NFC East. You could call him the voice of the WinFL show, uh, the man who does all our voiceovers for introducing our segments. Give a big hand there, Jake, for Mr. Tim Durbin. How are you doing, Tim?
2: I'm outstanding, if I do say so myself. How are you?
0: (laughs) I'm sure you are. Yes, we're doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. I'm Uh,
2: delighted delighted to be on the Dallas Cowboys Fan Appreciation Podcast. This is such a momentous occasion for me. Is that what (laughs) this is?
1: (laughs) He's not listening to to the podcast, Ian.
2: I I, I don't think he's been
0: listening, Jake, no.
2: I have, I have. And and your voiceover guy sounds really tall and intelligent and handsome. He sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) At least one of those things is true. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tim why don't you why don't you introduce yourself for tell us a little bit about yourself and first of all uh, you know like why why are you a cowboys fan i think everyone wants to know that
2: well you, uh, i don't know sadomasochism i don't know um I, i'm i've been a cowboys fan since i was knee high to a grasshopper my older brother was a cowboys fan everyone else in the family hated them like most people do um but i don't know how you call them america's team and most of america despises us but uh yeah, my oldest brother Matt was a, a Cowboys fan, and so he infected me with it, and that's it. So I'll raise, I'll raise my son, who was named after my older brother Matthew. Uh, I'll raise him to be a Cowboys fan as well, so I can continue the misery on future generations. To see,
0: <laughs> do, you, <laughs> we had do de- you hate him that much? <laughs> we
2: had, well, we had some pretty good times in the '90s. We had a, a decent decade in the '90s, and so I'm hoping that uh, the '70s was okay, the '90s were okay, you know. And since then, it's been pretty much downhill. So I'm hoping we'll come back around at some point, you know.
0: So you reckon sort of every 20 to 30 years it kind of leaps back up again?
2: That's the cycle. Yeah, we're like locusts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was going to say of the, the news on Baker Mayfield. I want to say the most exciting thing is, you know, him and McCaffrey. I mean, they might play on as many as three games together, given McCaffrey's uh, health uh, record, you know.
0: Ah, oh, poor Christian McCaffrey. He's <laughs>
2: getting <a laughs> He'll be injured in week four, let's be honest. Ah, oh.
0: Yeah, this is terrible, poor Christian. I hope Christian McCaffrey does does great. I hope he lasts the whole season. Uh, I hope he does as well.
2: But not likely is it? It's, he's he <laughs> I has hope he been.
0: No, you hope he doesn't. Jake. <laughs> I know you. I know you hope he doesn't, Jake. But um, no, poor poor Christian. I, you know, you it's it's hard. We we spoke about this last week and the week before. Jake was a, a players who just. That, Shows so much promise, and then injury after injury, and it's just yeah. it's it's so hard to see. But uh, let's let's you know let's take our dive into the NFC East. So as you've already alluded to, Tim, you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. Indeed,
2: um, yeah.
0: So you know for your own. Uh, since shall we say uh but last year of course they went 12 and 5 they won the division um yeah. second place was the philadelphia eagles were nine and eight we then had the washington football team at seven and ten now known as the commanders and um, then the new york football giants at four and 13 propping up the rest of the division so we will start yeah. as we do with the the winners from last year the dallas cowboys and tim we'll hand it over to you first what are you looking for this year from the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Well, I think you know the. I don't really think the personnel was ever an issue with Dallas. We've lost some. We've lost some key players. We lost Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, um, two outstanding wide receivers for us last year. But our our, our wide receiver core was pretty strong anyway. And we've we've got a, a rookie coming in who looks um, reasonably promising as well in uh, Jalen Tolbert. Um, I can't remember where he went to college. But he's a, he's a rookie anyway and shows some promise. But I'm not I'm not worried about losing those guys. You know. We've we've still got Zeke. We have got Tony Pollard. Hopefully, Tony Pollard starts to get more of the share of carries on the running game. Um, we've got Micah Parsons come back. We got Trayvon Diggs come back. Um, uh, Jaron Curse has come back on a two-year deal. So there's an awful lot of things going that, that are still there. I expect that Dallas. In fact, I expect that the entire division will probably end with exactly those same records as last year. The um, uh, same teams, same records. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see the exact an exact repeat of the the entire division. But um, I'm reasonably optimistic. I think. Uh, as a as a lifelong Dallas fan, what I'm looking for, uh, is for Jerry Jones to either, I don't know, wander out in the woods and get lost forever <laughs> or, uh, or to retire permanently. I don't know. I, I, I don't think personnel is an issue. I think the issue is not management and that's because Jerry Jones is, he wants to be the general manager and the owner, which means there's no accountability. Um, so I think the problem we have is that we will, again, uh, we will flatter to deceive. Um, and we'll we'll do very very well in the regular season, and then probably fall flat at the end of the season again. Unfortunately.
0: <laughs> uh, well, one player that you didn't really mention there was Micah Parsons, who was just uh, an absolute sensation last year, and you know hopefully he'll be able to c- continue his trajectory. He was
2: I all him. Yeah, in the he, field. He's key he, for us. He and we've got another we've got another rookie coming in who's uh, who's another pass rusher. I can't remember the guy's name offhand, but um, uh, Tyler Smith is his name actually. Um, but what's funny about Tyler Smith, uh, like I said, to, to compliment Michael Parsons as another pass rusher, is he's a rookie and it already says he's been known to have some issues off the field. It's like, you've only been in college. What have you been doing? <laughs> you're not even a millionaire yet and you're already causing problems, you know? So, um, and I think my, my favorite move that Dallas has made in the offseason is actually getting rid of Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is an absolute liability on and off the field. And he has been for years. And oh, you are you, saying that to
0: the wrong guy. He's come to the Broncos. <laughs>
2: oh, I know. You're going to be so sorry. He'll, he'll be suspended by halfway through the season, guaranteed. In a town where marijuana is legal, he's got no chance. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> no chance.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. This, I don't know how to take this, Jake. What do you reckon? This shots fired from Mr. Durbin already at my own Broncos. Good grief. Um, yeah, it's, it's legal, so you know maybe he will be out of trouble. Do you know what? Maybe you, exactly you can't get into trouble if there's no breaking the law.
2: Just, <laughs> if, only, if only it ended there. If only it ended with the drugs. Now Honestly, I, and you saw it in the San Francisco game, the, the game where Dallas crashed out of the, the playoffs. You know, um, he committed three, four, five. Um, well, they called them holding penalties. In effect, what he did was um, instead of instead of just uh, blocking his man, um, he was actually grabbing them and tackling them, literally throwing them to the ground. There was no need for it. Uh, absolutely zero cost for it whatsoever, and so it's bizarre to me that anybody looks at his record with with discipline off the field and indiscipline on the field. Um, he's just been an absolute nightmare for Dallas. They nearly fired him at one point. I remember that, but they nearly fired him for his for his, all his all of his uh, what's the word again? Shenanigans, Shenanigans. Uh, off the field. And then, and then they chose not to. And I thought, why on earth have you kept that guy? And he made about three good plays the entire year. And the rest was just a, a catalog of um, of indiscipline on the field. So I'm, I'm pleased to get rid of him, to be honest. But uh, I'm worried now that we've replaced him with a, with a pass rusher in Tyler Smith, who even just fresh out of college already has issues off the field. That's a that's a bit of a red flag for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to mention my brief stint in college. Uh, I think I had many <laughs> issues
2: then. So. Yeah, so did I. You mentioned it, so did I. But I, wasn't, I wasn't being paid $10 million, $10 million a year either. <laughs>
0: That's so true. So, Jake, let's uh, let's hand it over to you, Jake, the Dallas Cowboys. What do you think? What are your expectations this year?
1: Well, I'll start off by saying I was as good as it can be when it comes to college. So, I,
0: I was a good at two <laughs> Aye, Okay, yeah. You, I, mean, you, you, I think, Tim, he means he never got caught. Okay. There's no I, I that's what it means.
1: Uh, two, two years, two awards, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> with the Cowboys, or mainly just with the NFC East in general here, I've looked at their schedules. I mean, they've got the easiest schedules. Based on win projection, I think the Cowboys are 22nd. Um, based on last year, the Cowboys are tied first for easiest schedule. And it's something that I talked about in the AFC East deep dives, or, or all of the AFC East deep dives, is the strength of schedule. Some people might be wondering why I think that's important, but uh, I had a look through. And of the 10 NFL teams with the hardest schedule last year, only three went over their win projection. That was the Cardinals, Steelers, and the Raiders. And then on the flip side, this is more relevant to the NFC's, uh, the 10 NFL teams with the easiest schedule, only three went under their projected wins, which was the Bills, Broncos, sorry, uh, and the Browns. Um, so, but if you're curious, the Cowboys over-under is sat at 10.5, and I would be surprised and, and concerned if Dallas don't manage double-digit wins. Um, the, my only concern would really be the wide receiver room, especially with Gallup likely to miss the start of the season, with the, I think he tore his ACL in Week 17. Um, that, that would be my main concern. I mean, they start with the, the Bucks and the Bengals. Um, they have quite an early bye week, I think Week 9. But I would hope, at the bye week, they would be at worst 500. And then the second half of the season, they only really have to face the Packers, Colts, and the Titans, so they should kind of coast from there. So I expect them to be double-digit wins. I think if they don't, we will be seeing one Sean Payton on the sideline next year. Ooh. I think that, that would be my... I would like to get Tim's version on that in terms of Mike McCarthy, yay or nay, and... and does he also believe that Sean Payton will be on the sideline sooner rather than later?
2: Um, Well, I, I hope that would be all my Christmas has come true to get Sean Payton there. And, and with the proviso that Sean Payton comes in and says, uh, Jerry Jones, you keep your yap shut. I'm the manager here. And that, that he comes in and says, I'm the head coach. I don't want your opinions. I don't need your opinions. I've got a record, you know, Mike McCarthy's record, at green bay mike mccarthy won at green bay because he was at green bay and for no other reason it, it had nothing to do with mike mccarthy whatsoever and everything to do with green bay having some legends on the team you know so um i think mike mccarthy's um uh, you know his uh his allowing the play calling to go so completely squirrely at different times uh that's a word squirrely um at different times during the season last year including when when they just had to do a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left in the, in a playoff game and 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 no timeouts. You know, it's bizarre. It's like what head coach allows that to happen on his watch. You know, so I thought his his game management was incredibly poor last year. Um, I, I just thought he didn't. He doesn't add anything to any team he's at. He. You know, with the talent Dallas had, if they could actually, if they actually had a Sean Payton, I think they're at least competitive in the playoffs. Maybe I'm not, I'm not going out go crazy and say they're going to win it, you know, win it all, but they're at least competitive in the playoffs. Whereas last year we were not competitive at all, and and a big part of that was uh, demonstrably down to game to game management and time management. So I think yes, by all means, by halfway through the season, get Mike. It, it, depending on how the record's going, you know how the season's going, get Mike McCarthy out and start start flirting with Sean Payton. I think absolutely a a, a, a no lose situation for Dallas. Um,
0: I I get where you're coming from there, Tim. I, I remember seeing previously when we spoke about the the playoff teams from last year, and, and I spoke about the Cowboys being the division winners, and and yet at no point, I mean, you know, they finished twelve and five. That's a good record. That was the same. Yeah, that equaled the best record in the AFC, the Titans and the and the Chiefs. But at no point, I think, was anyone. Scared of the Cowboys going into the playoffs. and uh, yeah. It, 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 they looked, even though they were winning games, they looked, you know, imminently beatable. They really did. But I do, have to, I do have to ask you, Tim, as a Cowboys fan, McCarthy or Garrett, which did you prefer?
2: Oh, man, that's, oh, choose your poison, huh? Um, well, okay, if I, if I don't know. That's a tough call. I think I probably would take McCarthy, but one's as bad as the other, to be honest. I think uh, McCarthy maybe edges it. You know, if you look at last year, Dallas, you know, who scored the most points in the league last year? Yeah. You know, by, by some distance, 530 points last year, we scored and, and to, to score 530 points. And by all means, some of them were beating up on teams that deserve to beat up on, you know, um, you know, uh, I won't mention the Denver game because I'm, I have a, because I, I'm a sensitive we soul. But wow. Um, wow. You know, the we absolutely beat the living snot out of some teams that deserved it, and so we were beating the teams that we should. But to score that many points and 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 you think, well, okay, so the defense must be weak, must be weak. We had Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, two absolute uh, Hall of Famers in the future. You know, and a defense that was that was actually performing quite well, but we still managed to lose games. Now, to me, that screams out management it's it's the attitude of the team it's you know and randy gregory gregory was a, a good example of the wrong attitude across the team you know every time you get a tackle you're running up and down the pitch celebrating it's like that's your job you know that's literally your job is just going to tackle people so when you do it don't feel don't feel entitled to to run around the field for 15 seconds celebrating get on with your job you don't see teams that win super bowls you don't see them doing that you know and yet dallas has this mindset that everybody who comes to play for the dallas cowboys thinks Oh, this said I've made it. I'm, am I'm, I'm on America's team. I don't have to do anything. You know, I can be average and and, and celebrate. Just do my job, and I get to celebrate for for a, a, a long extended period of time afterwards. You know, I think it's the uh, I think the mentality of the team is all wrong, and that comes from the that comes from the owner's box down to the head coach. I think it's it's you know we, we could use a change in uh, in general management, but unfortunately, the guy owns the team. <laughs>
0: That's, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard because of that. I mean, you're absolutely yes, right. Yes. You know, you, you can't exactly say, oh, fire the general manager. Oh, no, hang on. He's the owner. He can't do that.
1: <laughs> well, he can. Since into a meeting with himself. I know. <laughs> have, a,
2: have a stern word with himself. Huh? He goes in
0: to get fired, comes out with a pay rise. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Says, well, well, I think that would help. Well.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, do you know what? I had a good talking uh, to our general manager and uh, I, I gave him a real stern talking to you and then, you know, double the salary. So, yeah,
2: okay, I, I still believe in the guy. Said, I'm going to give him one more chance. <laughs>
0: oh, well, do you know what? It's uh, endless optimism. That's, I mean, that's a hallmark of a Cowboys yeah, fan, me. right there, Tim. Um, it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh we we will move. we do have to move on. Sorry Tim, we can't talk about the Cowboys yep. all the time. So the next Bye. team uh is the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, last year, Jalen Hurts, quarterback, he had he showed some flashes. Hurts looked good through some spells, um but never it didn't really work for them as a team they were nine and eight they they had a good offense they scored 444 points defense wasn't as good as it has been in previous years but they they were a very hot and cold team the Eagles in one week they looked fantastic and the next week they just looked pretty awful so um once again Tim I'll hand it over to you what do you reckon of the Philadelphia Eagles going into this year what do you think is the good points and the bad points
2: well, I, th- I mean, everybody's given them huge credit for doing well in the draft, and I suppose they did. Um, uh, so off season, they, they picked up uh, a linebacker and a defensive tackle from Georgia, both very, very hot prospects, meant to be very, very good. Picked up cornerback um, uh, James Bradbury from the Giants as well, um, and the guy from um, from the Panthers, linebacker from the Panthers as well. So they've, they've got a lot of sort of um, – Supporting things there, I think a key acquisition for them is AJ Brown, who is um I had in my fantasy league last year, and he 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 has some real real um uh deep potential. He's a he's an absolute jackrabbit. He's quick as quick as Mercury, you know. So um I think if Jalen Hurts stays healthy, I think if he gets consistent, um I think he's got a a real sort of um, star performer there in AJ Brown that will give him some options. I was just trying to I was just trying to look up who who are the running backs for Philadelphia. I can't remember anybody um. Standing out last year. I heard Sanders?
0: Them. Is it Miles Sanders? Yeah, Sanders, uh, Scott, and Gainwell played. Um, so Scott played in 16 games, Gainwell played in 16 games, Sanders played in 12 games. But you look at the yardage for those three Sanders at 7.54, Scott at 3.73, uh, Gainwell at 2.91. Actually, probably their best performing running back was Jordan Howard, and he only played seven games. Um, yeah. <laughs> gained four hundred six yards and three touchdowns. Um, I don't. I am not sure if Jordan Howard's back with them this year. I, I haven't checked that. Uh, but I'm not he, sure. he he was he was a great running back when he was in Chicago. I mean, he was really good in Chicago, and then he went to Philadelphia, and then he kind of bounced around. Did he not go to Miami for a while? I think, uh, and then back ah. to Philadelphia again. But um, yeah, the, the the running attack for Philadelphia has not been great.
1: I've got to stop. They they were the number one rushing attack last year. The Eagles? The Eagles. By nearly 200 yards to the Colts. And over, uh, well, just under 300 to the Ravens. They they were the number one
0: rushing attack. How on earth did that happen? I'm not not doubting you, but how? 550 attempts,
1: 2,715 yards.
2: Two thousand seven hundred We are well past April first. This is
0: have not I, funny. Have I missed out somebody running?
2: Wait, how many yards? Two
0: thousand seven hundred and fifteen. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts ran yes. for seven hundred and eighty-four. I do you Absolutely. know what? I'm sitting Absolutely. there going, What is he talking about? I think jake has got something wrong with him. I I forgot about Jalen Hurts. I was look I was purely yeah. looking at the running backs there. purely' looking at the running backs. Um yeah. so yeah, okay. Uh, apologies to all those Eagles fans who are uh, screaming I at you guys. The, uh, <laughs> Jake's got you. Jake's got you. Um, so yeah, apologies to all the Eagles fans there. Um, Jalen Hurts was uh, was very good rushing the ball, just not that great passing it.
2: <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think that you know Jalen Hurts is absolutely the key for um, uh, for the Eagles, both throwing and also as you say running, and that that explains why why. There was no rushing back, uh, running back ever, sort of took to the to the front because Jalen Hurts takes all that himself. I, I think that's an issue for a team. I really do. I think it's a major issue I, I, and not a good one. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's particularly positive for a team to have a, a quarterback that takes the lion's share of the rushing.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, I th- I think the obvious exception is Lamar Jackson at Baltimore for that, just because he's such a, a ridiculous athlete. Um, that, that year, not not last year, the year before when he went for, what was it, 1,100 yards or something like that, rushing? It's just right. unbelievable. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you there, Tim. I'm absolutely with you on that. It's hard for an offense to be balanced when your quarterback is literally doing all the work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It is. Although, again, maybe with, with A.J. Brown coming in, maybe you know, with him being such a threat on the ground and A.J. Brown being such a threat deep and with so much speed to, to just... To leave guys in the dust, maybe maybe it works, and maybe they end up win the division. Who knows? I I certainly hope that's not the case, but um, but you know, you can see how having a deep threat like AJ Brown would would make a dangerous quarterback on the ground even more dangerous. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Jake, what, what's your thoughts? Well,
1: I, I I agree with you both in terms of Jay, this. You know, Jalen Hurts is the X factor. He's got a great pair of wide receivers now because they've got Devonte Smith as well. Um, they've got a great tight end and Goddard. They've got one of the best offensive linemen. They've got the number one rushing attack. If Jalen Hurts can take the next step in the offense, then the Eagles, you know, should be fighting for the division. If he can't, in my opinion, the Eagles should be looking elsewhere. Howie Roseman, I mean, uh, Tim mentioned some of the acquisitions he's done. You know, the draft he's done. Howie Roseman's a genius. If you know, he will not be saying to himself, you know, look, let's just sit and see if Jalen Hurts turns out. If if he can't take the next step, I, I can see the Eagles looking elsewhere. I mean, even in the draft, they're always looking to replace. They brought in John Davis, the defensive tackle, to learn under Fletcher Cox and ready to take his place. Um, I think the second round pick, Cam Juergens, is a centre. He might play guard this year, but he's a centre. Um, Jason Kelsey's already said this is his last year. So again, who better to learn from? You, you bring in a rookie, and many people say with a quarterback, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, bring them in for a year, sit them behind a quarterback. hmm. Get, let them learn the offense, they'll be fantastic. Well, Eagles are doing that with everyone. They're going, we've got a good player, we can bring in another great player and get him to learn under this play. You know, that, that's how you continue success. Um, so I, I think the Eagles are set up fantastically offensively, even defensively. My worries, even with, I think it's the third easiest schedule, they've got five primetime games, although four of those are at home. Um, but from week 11, they they play week 11 at the Colts, week 12 Packers, week 13 Titans. That's a a pretty brutal three-game stretch. And then on the back of that, weeks 14, 15 and 16 are all on the road. So even with an easy schedule, there's still things you can kind of get tripped up on.
0: That's very true. Um and of course, nothing's a gimme in the NFL. Um so as we said, that was uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, moving on, Ah, what can we say about this next team, the Washington Commanders? They've obviously they've been <laughs> quite prominent this off season, uh, but for all the wrong reasons. And when I say all the wrong reasons, I mean all the wrong reasons. I don't think it was any positive stories to come out of Washington at all. But Tim, we'll hand it over to you. The Washington Commanders, uh, seven and ten last year, third in the division. Do do you think there's going to be any improvement this year?
2: it's it's so hard to tell i think it's you know the, there there should be <laughs> you know carson wentz question mark you know is will he ever sort of all my life in school uh my um my teachers writing him a report card if only he would apply himself and that's that's carson wentz's report card as well it's like is he ever going to live up to his potential is he ever going to become the what his name implies he might be because every carson wentz carson wentz carson, everybody knows the name carson wentz but he's never really been that sort of you know next level sort of team leader that, that he has the potential of being so I think he's he's key for the team they've got Terry McLaurin back again you know who's a great wide receiver and and hasn't been quite as consistent as he should have been he's on my fantasy team so I know um and we've got Antonio Gibson is running back so there's a lot of talent you know, sort of around the team um but again is it going to work is it not it's just impossible to tell I'm still annoyed they're not the Redskins anymore so I don't know I, I'm still angry about that
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll I'll never get used to the name. I didn't I didn't like football team. Uh, I know Jake had a oh, small affinity for it. I loved
2: the football
1: team.
0: Love the football team. Uh, I didn't <laughs> like it. Just too used to calling them the Redskins. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and now the Commanders don't like the name. I actually no. prefer football team to the Commanders as well. I keep,
2: uh, I keep wanting to call them the Guardians. I don't know why. I don't know, maybe that should have been the name, the Washington Guardians. I don't know. Guardi-
0: is that <laughs> is that a newspaper or something?
2: I don't know. They newspaper, I suppose, the Guardian. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they fold fold, like paper in some of their games, so maybe that's appropriate. The the Washington broadsheet, you
0: know. Washington broadsheets. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Jake, the Washington football team, give us your two cents on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they start um, against the Jaguars at home and then at the Lions, I mean, can't really ask for two better games, to kind of start your season. So they could be 2 at 0 to start. They, well, they could be. They've accounted the Lions. They're, they're they're I'm, I'm not counting out the Lions, out it's the Lions but it's a possibility. Certainly a good, good start for them. Now, on the field, the Commanders certainly look like a team uh, a team capable of winning seven games or thereabouts, which is what their over under has kind of sat at. Um, we mentioned Terry McLaren. They've got a good wide receiver room. I mean, they brought in Johan Dotson in the first round. I mean their D line is fantastic. Um, I think one of the most important things on Washington is they arguably have the best backup quarterback. So when Carson Wentz inevitably like crumbles into three again, um, at least Taylor Heineke is there to, to pick up the pieces.
0: Yeah, I do like yeah, Taylor Reed. Heineke. Yeah, I, I, th- I think
1: he. I mean, he came out and I had a very professional interview and basically said, you know, they're paying this guy thirty million, they're paying me two million. Who do you think is going to start? Which, you know, it's true. Um, but but uh, whether it's injury or, or bad play, I've got a feeling we'll see Taylor at some point. The, the real question, like Tim kind of touched on, is what Carson Wentz are we going to get? I mean, with good weapons, he's got a good offensive lineman, certainly has the opportunity, but he had that with the Colts. You know, the Colts had a fantastic um, offensive line. They, you know, they had decent weapons. I mean, he's got a good schedule, he's got a late bye. If they can stay competitive within the division, who knows? But at the end of the day, this team rides and dies with with Carson Wentz. Tim,
0: what do you reckon with uh, what do you reckon with that? Do you reckon Wentz will last the season? I know you think, oh, he already won't. But what, is that? I mean, if he does last the season, do you think it will be because he's earned the right to last the season, or do you think it's just because, as Jake has already said, you know they're paying him all this money, they're just going to start him well, regardless. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean that's it. I think uh, they will absolutely start him in the first game. Probably first, the first uh, eight games of the season, the first nine games, they'll start him every single time. Whether he makes it beyond that, I don't know because I, I just don't. You, we've not seen him. We've not seen him achieve any of anything like his potential. I don't think if he has potential. Sometimes people are people are paid like they have potential when they really don't. <laughs> you know, so um, it's just a case of mistaken identity sometimes. You know, there's been. There's been a number of guys who are taken uh, first or second in the draft and meant to be a big sort of um, uh, franchise player, and they just fall flat, and they just and it just never quite works out. You know, he'll still be better than you know than two thirds of the quarterbacks in the league, but is he ever going to be an elite quarterback? I, I, I doubt it, honestly. If I'm if I'm totally honest, but will he will he be better? Will he be better enough than Heineke to hang at the starting position? I think so, probably. I think he'll be he'll be better enough uh, for most of the season, but I think it leaves him. Uh, rather than looking at Heineke starting halfway through the season, I think it leaves them looking for a new quarterback after the season, in all likelihood.
0: When I look at the when I look at Washington, I, it's it's just hard to see past all the off field issues, and I think they've got. We, we spoke about distractions with the the Browns, and we spoke about distractions, you know, with, with the Raiders, and we spoke, about, you know, all these teams. And when you have big distractions <clears throat> off the field. It negatively affects you on the field. I think we, we can all agree on that. It's 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 never a good thing to have all these problems going on off the field. And my goodness, have Washington had problems off the field? Everything right from the owner, obviously. That we you know we won't get into that too much because that's still ongoing. This investigation is ongoing with regards to Dan Snyder, right through Jack Del Rio's comments. Uh, Ron Rivera getting fined, the the, the the OTA issues that they had, fines coming in left, right, and centre, Roger Goodell having to uh, talk in court regarding all these problems. And you're thinking, what in the world is going on with this team? And it's got to be difficult for the players. It's got to be such a distraction for them to say, do you know what? We're just trying to get through our practice, or we're trying to study film. Or we're trying to, you know, prepare for pre-season. We're trying to... There's guys... What's lost in all this circus that is going on in the off-season is that you've got all these guys are, you know, your sixth round draft pick. The guys are fighting for a, a place. Some of them fighting for a place in the practice squad. All of these guys get forgotten because of everything else that's happening. It's not going to do anyone any favours. And I can honestly... I don't want to see this. I can see the Washington football team finishing dead last in this division. They they shouldn't. They've got more talent than that, but I can see it happening purely because of all the distractions. I think it's just it's awful, uh, especially for some of the younger players and these rookies who come in will be sitting going what is going on here? You know, this is more of a madhouse than I don't know. Do they have frat parties? <laughs> is that still a thing? <laughs> Tim, you can sure you can answer yeah, that probably. question. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Wait, where did you go to did you go to college, Tim? Where did you go to college?
2: I went to college. Um uh, it was it was an ill fated two and a half years at college. Um and uh and let's, let's not go into it for legal reasons. I guess it's best I don't go into it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, so
2: uh <laughs> I think I think on in, on the back of what you're saying about the, the problems off field and Dallas is no is no stranger to problems off the field either. I think it it is a huge distraction, and it also leaves it leaves them uh, vulnerable to players being pinched by other teams because because players who want to play and just want to get on with the game will start to entertain offers they would not have previously considered because they go this is too much for me I don't like it I just want to out to anywhere you know um, so I think in addition to you know you they're they paying Terry McLaurin good money they're paying you know a number of guys good money but these guys will soon get fed up if all the off field stuff. It continues to impact them. These guys want to win at the end of the day. They want to be on a team that's going to win. And if the, if if an individual star player's performance can't bring that about, they will eventually want to go somewhere else. Even if it means taking less money, they'll consider it because at the end of the day, they everyone wants to win the Super Bowl, you know, and everyone wants to at least be on a team that has a chance to do so.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you look exactly. What we spoke about Jake. You look at the Baker Mayfield thing. Now, he's he's on a, yeah. a team that talent wise in Cleveland. You've got to see is, well, it's 100% a playoff calibre talent. And he's like, I'm, I'm out. That's got nothing to do with on-field issues. It's everything to do with off the field. It's to do with management. It's the decisions that are made that don't involve these other players. And it's all from the management. And there's your your former number one round, uh, sorry, your number one overall draft pick saying, I'm gone. I can't deal with this anymore. Uh, Jake, I mean, what do you think? Do you have any other opinion on that?
1: Well, I just, I just agree with Tim in terms of it's certainly going to hurt you, you know, in free agency. Like you say, no one's going to be that, you know, if you're on the clock and your phone goes and you're a draft pick, you're going to be, ah, here we go. I've got this. is going to be about four or five years. I'm never going to get back in my life. I mean, yeah. as we're talking about free agents. Effie Obada, the, the Brit, is uh, signed with with Washington, so that's that's something for us to look out for. But it's certainly going to be another place similar to Jacksonville, where t- players are either going to be like, pay me to to be on this franchise, or I'm going to go elsewhere. You see it happen, you know, a few times now. I mean, Jamal Adams with the Jets. P- players do get fed up, and like Tim says, people either want to win a Super Bowl, have a chance to win a Super Bowl, or get paid. So you're going to end up with a team of mercenaries at this point because to get people into Washington, you're going to have to pay them a lot of money.
0: I believe when the the rumors about Russell Wilson being traded came out, Washington offered a massive package to Russell Wilson and he turned it down. And then yeah. he ended up yep. going to Denver. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, Denver's the most stable franchise in the NFL. Of course not. They're, they were in the middle of, you know, nobody knowing who owned the team when Russell Wilson signed for the Broncos. So, I I mean, if that doesn't tell you something, that a player is willing to go to a team who doesn't know who its owner is over the Washington football team, Washington Commanders, who definitely know who their owner is. um, (laughs) Yeah.
2: Everybody knows who their owner (laughs)
0: is. Yeah. You know, and again, for all the wrong reasons. And it's just, I, I, I feel bad for the players. I really do. I feel so bad for the players because they're just going to get wasted, uh, at least the players who were who drafted in, into Washington. Um, I, I don't see the, the problem with Washington is that unlike a lot of the other teams that we've already spoken about, not just this week, but, you know, the entire AFC deep dive that we did over the past four weeks. We look at these teams who are last in the division or second last in the division and we say, do you know what? They're only maybe a couple of years from contending. Or maybe a year and a couple of players from contending. You look at Washington and you think, I, I can't see a way out of this, I, I, unless there is a complete overhaul, a complete overhaul from the top down. I can't see Washington. They they might not finish last. You know, we've still got one more team to talk about. They might not finish last in the division. But do we? Does anyone see them challenging for the NFC's title in the next five years? I really don't see it myself, to be honest.
2: It's hard to imagine. Um, Ian, can I just say, whenever you're talking about Washington, it's not legally safe to say from the top down. <laughs> you're not allowed to say that. It's legally sensitive <laughs> to say it from the top down. Find some other expression to use. That's too close to the bone.
0: <laughs> I'm not even going to dignify that.
2: Okay, oh, that's creep. the funniest thing you've ever said.
0: Oh my word! Right, we're going to move very, very, very swiftly on, gentlemen. We should, yeah. And we're going to talk about the last team in the NFC East. (laughs) Quite literally, the last team in the NFC East. Sorry about that. Uh, It's the New York Football Giants. Last year, they were four and thirteen. They had a horrible year, an absolutely awful year. They had the the fourth worst points differential. They had an anemic offense, terrible defense. It's the Giants. I'm not sure what yeah. else we can see at this point. Tim, handing over to you, what do you reckon on the Giants for 2022?
2: Even as you said, you know, I can imagine Washington finishing this division last. I could hear the Giants going, hold my beer. <laughs> they they absolutely have the potential to finish last again with the same or worse record. Um, the... The biggest move for the Giants in the offseason, getting rid of Joe Judge, you know, and that that in itself should improve them. Um, I mean, I thought Mike McCarthy was bad at, at managing a game, but Joe Judge took it to a whole nother level. Um, I mean, it was it was it was suspicious how bad a head coach he was. But um, yeah. so, but you know, the 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 best um, sort of uh, representation, best metaphor for the Giants' season was Daniel Jones when they played Dallas, having to be helped off the field. By one of the Dallas players because he's about to pass out, and I thought that's the Giants this year. That's what they're 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 stumbling to the sideline, falling over, having to be helped off the field by their opponent. You know that <laughs> that was the metaphor for their season. You know, and I I don't see anything to to make it any different. To be honest, I don't think they've. I mean, they've picked up some um, quite a few acquisitions actually that that look reasonably okay. Offensive tackle from Alabama, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, Wondell Robinson, who's meant to be quite good, uh, Kentucky recruit. Um, a couple guys on an offensive guard. Um, you know, an edge rusher. Picked up some some sort of bits and pieces around there. But the bottom line is, you know, Saquon Barkley is there. Is he going to perform? Is he not going to perform? Um, you know, Daniel Jones somehow still the quarterback. I guess. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. Daniel Jones looks. Like, he looks like he got bullied in high school. He just looks, and he's still getting bullied now. You know. Um. So I'm just not sure he's really. I don't know if he's ever going to make it in the NFL. He looks very very delicate to me.
0: Yeah, uh, but before I hand it over to you, Jake, with the Gi- I get exactly where you're coming from, Tim, with Daniel Jones. He, I don't know why he's still the starter in, on the Giants. It, I, I have no idea why that is, why they didn't get someone else in. Um, I, I'll be honest, I thought they had a nice draft. Remember, they had those, I don't know if it was back-to-back players or they had two picks in, in three spots in the oh, draft. Yeah, they were
1: five,
0: five and seven. Sorry, five and seven. There you are. And, and I thought they did really well. I was, that's, that was a great move. And I was thinking, hey, do you know what? With the new the management coming in, they look like they might be doing something right. And then they traded James Bradbury. And it was yeah. to the Eagles, wasn't it? Yeah, they right, Yeah. Them, yeah. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Just when it looks like you're making correct decisions and, you know, we really want to improve this team, you then trade one of your, one of your best players to a division rival. And I just thought, I, I, I can't, I can't. But uh, I, I'm not going to rant about the Giants. Uh, Jake, well, I'm not saying you're going to rant about the Giants, but I'll hand it over to you. Uh, what do you think for the New York Giants coming into this year?
1: Well, I'll be mainly positive, but I'll start negative in terms of, like you said, with the Bradbury, lost Logan Ryan, lost Jabril Peppers, lost Evan Ingram, and the only person they really brought in free agent-wise was Ricky Seals-Jones, that I could really see of notes. I mean, like you say, I think they absolutely um, you know, aced the draft. I think they're kind of living for Dave Gutterman's mistakes, and at the moment, especially this off-season, cleared some of the, the pricey contracts So going forward, I think they'll be in a better position. But I think this year, looking at the depth chart, it's going to be a tough one. Um, The positive, I would say, is Brian Dable. I mean, he brought the best out of Josh Allen. Can he do the same with Daniel? You know, Can he revive Daniel Jones? I mean, it's one of those moments where if, if he can't, I don't think anyone will go, well, the problem is Brian Dable. I think it's very clear and a very short leash in terms of Daniel Jones' Hold on to the ball for one, that would be good. Uh, and for two, you know, can you take the next step? Because, like I say, and it seems to be for, for quite a few quarterbacks, this is kind of your, your last chance saloon. And sometimes a quarterback has a, a rough couple of years in a team, you think, you know, like Sam Darnold, he'll get another chance on another team. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have many people knocking on his door if he goes to free agency or is cut. You know, I don't think a team's going to be, be banged on the door to, to sign him up next year.
0: No, I think you're right. I don't think there's been any, you know, like like I mentioned with with uh, Jalen Hurts. Now, obviously, he's he's different. As Jake alluded to, fantastic athlete, a uh, runner of the ball. But Jalen Hurts was hot and cold. But he had flashes of looking really good. Daniel Jones hasn't had that. I don't. No. I, I can't remember like a game, where Daniel Jones looked. Oh wow, this guy's excellent. He he's got the potential, and. You know, we've we've all now spoken about the the management, the play calling, quarterback sneak, third and what was it, ten on your yeah. own two yard line.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> how are you thinking? Oh dear. I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse than that. And I think a lot of fans looked at that one play and said that is an exclamation point on how our team has been all year. And you know what? For the past two or three years, um, you're absolutely right, Tim. But Saquon. Will he be healthy? He's a fantastic athlete. Great player when yeah. he's healthy. Will he stay healthy? Uh, do you have do you have anything else that you can think of with regards to that, Tim?
2: Oh, and the sick one. Not, not particularly because nobody can predict him. But you know, I, I thought um in relation to Jake's Jake said there, it might come down to Brian Dable literally reviving Daniel Jones. Because again, he is quite delicate. <laughs> he always, um, and every time he, every time he break a play, like they, they do it, run a draw play, and he'd he get ten or fifteen yards. He'd either fumble it or get smashed and folded in half. You know, and and either way, it's just, it's just not going to work. I, I think until they get rid of Daniel Jones, then then you're going to see the same performance. And of course, if you if you have a quarterback that can't perform your running backs are, first of all, going to not get very many yards and, second of all, get injured more often because the 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 defense has no fear of the quarterbacks. So they just, you know, they, they double and triple team the running back and, and he eventually, you know, he gets no yards and then he starts to take risks and he gets hurt, you know. So um, I think that's likely to repeat until they get a decent quarterback who, who instills some respect and some fear in his opponents. Hill Jones is just never going to be that guy. I think the Giants are propping, propping up the division again this year.
1: I, I was just saying, we were talking about the commanders, you know, in the next couple of years, I can't see them improving. With the Giants, I think it's more promising going forward. Like I said, they've cleared some of the pricey contracts. They've had a good draft. They've got a general manager that seems to know what he's doing. Hopefully, Brian Dayball, this is his first chance as a head coach, but he's proven himself with the Bills' offensive coordinator. So going forward, the Giants might be one to look out for. Is it going to be this year? I don't think so. Um, but on their schedule, I mean, again, they've all got easy schedules, but an easy schedule can look very difficult to, you know, with certain runs. But uh, a pattern I saw, week seven, they play at the Jags, followed by at the Seahawks, two winnable games. That is followed by a bye. And then off the bye, they play at home against the Texans, at home against the Lions. And that is then followed by four NFC East games, including the Commanders twice. I mean, you know, like I say, a hard schedule has you know easy parts, and an easy schedule has hard parts, but that is a good run of about eight nine games there where you think if you are a competent team you've got a chance to win you know a good few of them so like I, said, I don't expect them to do much this year they will most likely prop up the division but going forward i'm more hopeful for the giants than i am a team like the commanders
0: i, th- I think they i'm trying to think who's behind daniel jones is it still mike lennon do they sign anyone else I, I, i'm not sure uh, but I think one of the problems that the Giants and one of the problems, another problem that the Giants have, is that as you said, Jake, you know you've got you've got these schedules that you look at and say, "Oh, that's a winnable game," that's a winnable game. The problem is the Jags will look at that and say, "That's a winnable game," and the Lions will look at that and say, "That's a winnable game," because the the the, the Giants are one of those teams that other teams will look at and say, "Put a W in that box before the season yeah. starts." It it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. No, everyone always says, Oh, it's hard to win in the NFL. Of course it is. It's also, it's also hard, to, you know, sometimes, sorry, it's uh, easy to lose. And that's the problem. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they can do anything big, uh, like as in major improvement this year. But I think they're definitely going in the right direction. Uh, or they at least, signed like, a. Yeah. Th- th- th-
1: sorry, yeah, they, they signed th- a WinFL legend, Tyrod Taylor. So.
0: Oh, they've got Tyrod Taylor. Well there you go. Do you know what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. What happens every time Tyrod Taylor will start the season. Then he'll get injured and then Daniel Jones will look like the next coming of Patrick Mahomes because he was backing up Tyrod. <laughs> Cuz that's what happens. Whoever maybe backs up Maybe up in reverse this year. Or, or maybe in reverse this year. Maybe Tyrod Taylor finally gets his break to come mm-hmm. on as the backup and light it up across the league. <laughs> Tim's not buying any of this, are you,
2: Tim? <laughs> no, nope, not, not for a second, no. The <laughs> no, Giants okay. also draft a guy named Kevon Thibodeau, which is, you know, if you got a guy named Thibodeau playing for you, man, you're on. And he's an edge rusher as well. He's got Thibodeau. He's got sack written all over him. Oh, he's he going to be a sack that's my That's my one prediction for the Giants. Kevon Thibodeau is going to be a sack machine.
0: Uh, I think so. Well, coming out of college, a lot of people were saying that. He was one of the – some people were saying he might go top uh, two or three. Uh, yep. and, he, and he ended up going five, five overall? No, uh, seven. I forget. What five. I mean, five. five, you went fifth overall. Uh, but there was some yep. people saying he might go in the top two. I mean,
2: well. he'll be the Micah Parsons from last year. He'll be the, the new Micah Parsons, maybe.
1: Uh, maybe he, he will. He'll, he'll be the defensive player of the year, you never know. He now, could I, know. I, the I was talking about Dave Gartman and the contracts. The biggest non-quarterback offensive cap hits, Kenny Galladay, number one, 21.2 million. Non-core that's contract. the biggest contract in the NFL. That's not a quarterback on the offense. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott's number eight, by the way. 18.22. Wow. This, well,
2: this, this year cap it. It.
1: Yeah. That's that that's <laughs> this year's cap hit. So like I said, going forward, I think the Giants will be in a better position when they're recovered from Definitely. being Gettmann. That
0: that's that's a big contract. I mean, when when you say I, I thought you were talking about like the entire team. Um, nope, that's the
1: entire NFL. This year, cap hit, not quarterback, offensive, cap hit. Kenny Golday's number one. That's a lot of money.
2: That I would a do lot that of long. money. I would
0: literally half that, I would do that job. <laughs> that's <laughs> a I'd do it for a 20th, are you joking? But but I don't want to cut myself short, so I'll, I'll take half as well, yeah. You can get both Tim and I for the same money. But
2: that's a bargain. That's I don't a, care who you are, I'm just a bargain.
0: Jake, <laughs> how much of that would you take? I'm six or five, so I, they might actually pay me half.
1: They might. Did you might just go jump me. ball. They, they jump ball. There's not an athletic. Like, there's not an athletic bone in my body, but, you know, it'll be too late by then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Once you've got you just make sure you've got Kirk Cousins, agents, you get all guaranteed yeah. beforehand. Just fully guaranteed. <laughs> there you are okay so gentlemen that is the end of our nfc east deep dive tim we'd like to say a huge thank you for joining us oh, thank you. and uh jake i uh, i think uh jake and i are both of agreement that it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show
1: meet the yeah. man the, the voice behind the man or the man behind the voice
0: the man behind the voice Yeah,
2: that's the one, yeah, yeah. it's been lovely i would love to come back on again and discuss uh, other ways the cowboys are going to achieve their ultimate glory
0: well, in that case, Tim, just before just before you go, just before you go, because yeah. I know you do have to leave us, if you'd like to introduce the next segment for us, which is is always random stats, you know, from I music. Mean, so I'd like you to introduce the next segment for us, if you don't mind.
2: Right, my final words apart from go Cowboys is uh, is this: it's random stats.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much, Tim darbin ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for coming along. Thank you. Speak soon. Bye, bye Cheers now. So that was uh, Tim Durbin, and he is the voice behind all the voiceovers for the WinFL show. And of course, as he did announce there, Jake, it's time for random stats. So would you like to start us off this week?
1: Maybe I will. Seeing soon as you went first uh, on Sunday, I'll, I'll go first. And you'll be happy that I'm going first because I'm, I'm buttering up to you here. So my random stats is in 2013, hmm. your Denver Broncos hmm. became the only team to have four players with 10 receiving touchdowns in a single season. Can you name those four players for me?
0: <laughs> I think so. Well, um, I hope so. D- Demetrius Thomas.
1: Obviously. Rest uh, in peace.
0: Yes, RIP Demetrius Thomas. Eric Decker. Correct. Um Welker? Yes. You're missing number two. I know No Sean Moreno scored 10 touchdowns, rushing and receiving. It's a tight end. Oh yum! Uh uh. uh, Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas. Full house. Yeah, I forgot I forgot about Julius Thomas. My goodness. Actually, I actually kind of blocked him out because I was really annoyed with him because. After, I think it was, after the, it was either after the 2013 season or 2014 season, um, he thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread, so he went to the Jaguars.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, Quite a
1: few players seem to do that, don't they? They have one good season or one good moment, and they think, I'm worth a million bucks, and then... Yeah. ironically they go to a really bad team and they get found out and you're like yeah remember yeah. you don't have Peyton Manning throwing you
0: <laughs> It's it's incredible when when players no longer have someone like Peyton Manning throwing them the ball and all of a sudden they don't look as good as they used to Um, you'll, I'd, I'd catch a few touchdown passes from Peyton Manning I reckon well of course you would because it's this, this exact same vein as uh, I'll put it to your team there Jake exact same vein as one uh, Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham who with the Saints was looking like one of the best pass-catching tight ends of all time. He was putting up monster numbers. And then he went to Seattle. Seattle. And whilst they still had a good quarterback throwing him the ball, hmm, production seemed to drop off quite a bit.
1: They, that, I, that, that trade was very anti-Saints at the start. when we, I think we got Max Unger and, and a pick. And it turned out to work pretty good, because Max Unger served as well and Jimmy Graham... Uh, Like you say, had a bit
0: of a drop-off. Like one of the biggest drop-offs because he he was looking like a world beater with with, uh, Drew Brees throwing him the ball. He really was. He looked fantastic. Yeah. But uh, Julius Thomas, I forgot all about him. Uh, Blast from the past. Blast from the past. That 2013 offense was spectacular.
1: There's many words for it. Spectacular is definitely one of them.
0: Oh, I I think it was the the first week of the season. It was against the Ravens. I can't remember if the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012.
1: Yeah, because was it not? Was that was it at Denver? Because yes, Baltimore uh, Orioles, the the baseball team, had a game or something. So Baltimore, were like the, one of the first teams, not to
0: have a home game to start the season as the Super Bowl champs. That's right. Because the year before, in Denver, in the play- it wasn't the championship game; it was a divisional playoff game. The Broncos were beating the Ravens by a touchdown with thirty seconds to go. Uh, the Ravens had the ball in their own uh, their own half, the forty-yard line, whatever it was. And that was when Joe Flacco threw that hail mary, and Raheem Moore completely misjudged it. And I think it was Jacoby Jones.
1: It was indeed Jacoby Jones
0: came down with it and tied up the game, and then they, the the it went into overtime, and the, the Ravens won it in overtime, and it was it was a shock. I was stunned. That that was like one of those I, we keep bringing it up. I was like, you know, the Jets cover nobody. That was one of those where you're like Raheem Moore. How do you let Jacoby Jones get behind you? Like, yeah, that, Marcus Williams, tell me about it. Oh my word! And you're thinking what in the name of? All that is holy. Are you doing? I, I couldn't believe it. So the following year, because the Ravens won the Super Bowl that year, they were opening, but you're absolutely right at the Denver Broncos, and uh, there had been some words between one of the Ravens defenders and I forget who it was. I think it was in the Denver. It's the Denver Post or something. One of the papers. Words. The one of the the Ravens, either safeties or cornerbacks had basically called out Peyton Manning and said... Smart thing to do. Well, yeah, I think what he said was that Peyton Manning looked a bit weaker and he was a bit past it and, you know, he's, you know, he's not going to be able to do anything in 2013. And then in that first game, if, if memory serves, and I'm sure it does, <laughs> Peyton Manning threw seven touchdowns. Yeah, he definitely in that did. game and uh, that of course kick-started his record-breaking 55 touchdown season in 2013 but Peyton Manning the the one change that they made I believe because they, they got Wes Welker for 2013 mm-hmm. he wasn't on the 2012 team and I think he caught two touchdown passes in the first half or something against the Ravens and I'm sure it was Chris Collinsworth was commenting on that and he said, oh, I think Peyton Manning's just saying, hey, so this is what Tom Brady's had all these years. Well, it's <laughs> not bad, having a slot guy who can do this. Um, that was that was a magical. That was an insane offense. And it was engineered by Peyton Manning, and it made Adam Gase look pretty good. That, it, that's he, how He fed off that for years. That's how good that offense was. It gave Adam Gase, what, two jobs? Three goals. Yeah, at least
1: millions of pounds he owes to, to Peyton Manning.
0: the uh, the Miami gig and then the, the, oh, the Jets gig. Yeah. Yeah. So just just so I was saying Julius Thomas looked really good because of Peyton Manning. Nowhere near as good as Adam Gase looked.
1: Well, hopefully for Brian Dable's um well, Josh Allen was on the ropes the first year and then Brian Dable made him look good. Let let's hope it wasn't just Josh Allen. <laughs> and Brian Dable does know what he's doing.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I hope so. I hope so. I think they'll do quite well with that. Uh, but yeah, so four receivers with 10 touchdowns. Uh, Denver Broncos 2013. Now, um, I'm going to talk about a player that, that uh, you and I both like, but Dave is not a fan of.
1: Oh, I know who this going to be then.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the MVP. Yes. Mitchell Trubisky. Now, um, when it comes to stats... I've never been a passer rating guy. It's the the weirdest rating. Uh, I don't understand how it works at all. When the highest you can get is 158.3, that tells you something that it's just weird. The way they work this out is beyond me. However, we're going to talk about passer rating because our... Good colleague Dave, uh, who sadly isn't again here with us this week, now he'll be back uh, next week, um, likes to rag on Mitchell Trubisky. And one of the things that he likes to bring up is his passer ratings in games. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Jake. Mitchell Trubisky's career passer rating is 87. Now, that doesn't sound great because Patrick Mahomes is is 105.8. And Deshaun Watson's is 104.5. Tied to Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson is 101.8. This is this is career passer rating. So 87 doesn't sound particularly good. However, let me tell you some of the company that Mitchell Trubisky shares that uh, career passer rating with. I've an absolute dead tie on 87. Uh, is Andy Dalton. So I'm not doing us any favors with that. Yeah, not helping. Not helping. However, we're going to go a bit down the list. Otto Graham, Hall of Famer. Oh, you know, one of the best. 86.4, Dan Marino. 86, Brett Favre. Now, you think, that's three Hall of Famers who have a worse passer rating than Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Do you know who else? 84.4, Jim Kelly. 83.4, Roger Staubach. We also have Hall of Famers Len Dawson. Sonny Jergensen, Troy Aikman, 81.6, Warren Moon, 80.9, Bart Starr, 80.5, Fran Tarkenton, big Fran, 80.4, John Elway, 79.9, oh I missed out, Dan Fouts, 80.2. So you could argue that Mitchell Trubisky is better than, you know, a dozen Hall of Famers. Um, But the
1: only one in this century is Andy Dalton.
0: (laughs) No, because lower than him, Case Keenum, 85.4. Cam Newton, 85.2. MVP Cam Newton. MVP Cam Newton. Joe Flacco, 84.2. Elite Joe Flacco. Elite Joe Flacco. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the magic man himself, 82.3. Blake Bortles, one of my all-time favourites, 80.6. Sam Darnold, Uh, 76.9. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's not that bad as everyone thinks he is. Put some respect on the MVP. Put some respect on the MVP. Absolutely. He was certainly better than the Rams. Sam Bradford with 84.5. Donovan McNabb, 85.6. Alex Smith, 86.9. Mitchell Trubisky. Get the respect on him. He deserves it. And this year he's going to start for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm convinced. Uh the man we were just talking about, Baker Mayfield's 87.8. So he's just a uh point eight better than Mitch Trubisky through his entire career. So yeah, you have know people ragging on Mitchell Trubisky. Isn't that terrible?
1: Yeah, I mean he did that whilst being on a terrible best. He
0: went Matt Nagy, so you know. Uh, exactly. Now if I can find I was just going to look for poor old Daniel Jones there, but I don't want to rub it in. Uh, he doesn't. Got, yeah. He doesn't make the top two hundred and three. Oh, so, um, yeah. So it does well, go I'm to.
1: I'm sh- assuming QBR rate must include fumbles then, because I've never met someone who can't hold onto a ball like Daniel Jones.
0: Uh, ah, yeah. no. Do you know what? You're right. It did seem that every time he was sacked, he fumbled. That that's what it felt like. You're like every every time he gets hit, he's fumbling the ball. Um, and of course, I think we all remember uh, Daniel Jones's um, run, his seventy-yard run, where he got away from everybody, and he got tackled by the turf. That was that was that was a poor, poor old Daniel. I don't mean to give you a hard time. I know you're listening, Daniel. We're, we're not, we don't mean it. We're just, uh, we're just trying to put some love on the MVP. That's what we're trying to do here. He deserves it, Mitch. We're rooting for you, Mitch. He's probably listening as well.
1: I hope so, because this could be the only podcast that loves Mitch.
0: Oh, absolutely, we do. Uh, so there you go. That's my random stat. Mitchell Trubisky's uh, career passer rating is better than at least 12 Hall of Famers. So a uh, bit of respect on his name, including, you know, because people say, oh, well, different time. You know, you kind of compare guys to the 60s and all that. Oh, we're talking about uh, Dan Marino, Warren Moon and John Elway and uh, Brett Favre. These guys, it's not like the weren't good at passing. It's not like guys from the 60s or 50s we're comparing them to. We're talking about people who are in the Hall of Fame for throwing the ball. Um, and a
1: former MVP in Cam Newton.
0: Uh, and a former MVP in Cam Newton. He's got a, a, a better career than Cam Newton, pass-up rating-wise.
1: <laughs> uh, I love how this week we've used random stats to pat each other on the back. You know, I know. I've, I've shouted out the Broncos. You've shouted out Midge. Dave um, takes a week off and we start just... Pat ourselves on the back. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Is that, I think. Do you think that maybe Dave's the, the the sort of the kind of guy who just like keeps us down? It's like right. He brings us back down to earth. Just brings us back down to earth. Maybe that's what he does. Maybe that's exactly what he does. Oh, um, Eli Manning, 84.1. time Super Bowl winner. There you go. Look at that. Um, funnily enough, yeah, all all the guys who are at the top uh, are still in the league with <laughs> with the exception of uh, Drew Brees who's fifth well, all-time. Fifth all-time That's a surprise. Yep. Um, the top eight are all still playing. So there you go. It just goes to show you, the accepted Drew Brees is number five. So you got Mahomes, Rogers, Watson, Wilson, Brees, Prescott, Cousins, seventh all-time. Go on, Kirk. Yeah. He's just like, I, that's that's not rating. That's guaranteed money. That, <laughs> <I remember. laughs> that 98.6. He just
1: shows this to team negotiating. He just shows them this list. Pay me
0: it works he's ahead of Tom Brady who's eight gets
1: paid more than Tom Brady most months as well it seems. <laughs> and so he should I'd rather have cousins than Brady I'd right? rather have cousins agent than Brady's that's for sure <laughs>
0: <laughs> definitely uh, maybe he'd be able to get you half of Kenny Gollardy's money yeah fully guaranteed <laughs> uh, so there you are Jacob. do you have anything else you want to add here before, uh, before we finish over actually actually do you know what I was going to tell you a wee story. Would you, would you like to hear a wee story? I think we've got time for a wee story. I think we do. Oh, do you know, we do. Because there was no news and we were only like 10 minutes uh, of news, five minutes of news, it's actually a much shorter podcast getting. So um, we, we need to pad this out a bit just in case any uh, multi-million dollar sponsors want to come by and say, well, you know, we only do podcasts that are over an hour and a half long. So we're, we'll need to pad that out. All right? the
1: commentators I say, please, shorten your episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In which case, it'll, it'll be easy for me to cut my uh, cut my stories out. That's, I can do that.
1: We are flexible.
0: We are most definitely flexible. Most definitely flexible. Right, so I'm going to tell you a story. And this is concerning... an uh, it's, it's another quarterback, actually. And it's about Steve Young. Hall of Famer. Now... A lot of people, uh, when they think of Steve Young, they think about you know left-handed quarterback. He could run the ball; he was very good at running the ball. We all know this. It's often forgotten how good at throwing the ball Steve Young was. Now, Steve Young was actually drafted by the uh, Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers in 1985. Now, the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were terrible in the mid '80s; they they were absolutely rank rotten. He went one and four in his rookie season. And then the second season, 1986, he actually started 14 games with 2-12. and 12. And he looked at his completion percentages and they were not great. 52.2, 53.7. In fact, the first four years of his career, he never passed 53% uh, percent, um, completion percentage. And he got traded to the San Francisco 49ers in 1987. And he was a backup, a perennial backup, of course, to Joe Montana. He only played a handful of games. His stats through, uh, from 1987 right through to 1990, uh, 1990 should I say, was 2-1 uh, and one as a starter, 2-1 and one as a starter, 3-0 and o as a starter in 1989, 0-1 uh, one in 1990. So he only played in a handful of games. But Steve Young was at the time considered to be the best backup in the NFL, which sounds like a strange thing because when you look at again, he only like he started three games in '87, three games in '88, three games in '89, one game in 1990, and you think that's that's not uh, how could how was he considered the best backup? And he really was. Joe Montana was the guy, and Steve Young was the backup. But they were like, oh, he's the best backup in the league. Now part of this is because Bill Walsh said he's the best backup in the league, and he said he's like one of the best. Athletes I've ever seen at the quarterback position, he may be the best athlete to ever play the quarterback position. This is what Bill Walsh was talking about. Now, one of the reasons that he was considered to be an excellent backup is because although he only started three games, in 87 he played in eight games, in 88 he played in 11 games, in 89 he played in 10 games, and in 1990 he played in six games because Joel Montana was quite a fragile guy. Um, he was very skinny. In fact, I I watched a thing where I was at like an interview. I think it was with Jerry Rice. They used to call him bird legs because he had no... Okay, It looked like he had no calves whatsoever. Joe Montana had stick-thin legs, really, really skinny legs. Um, but he did get injured quite often, so Steve Young would have to come in. Also, there's other times when the 49 were just annihilating teams and Steve Young would play the last quarter. So that would happen. But what people were noticing was the incremental increases in his uh, completion percentage, and, you know, his, his yards and touchdown to interception ratio were getting better sort of every single year. Now, we all know at the end of the 1990 season, uh, Joe Montana uh, suffered an absolutely horrendous hit. He got just absolutely destroyed by a uh, Marshall of the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game. The 49ers were looking to 3 Pete. and... Uh, They'd won in Super Bowl 23 in 88, Super Bowl 24 in 89, and in 1990, they were clearly the best team in the NFL. It wasn't even close. They were the best team in the NFL. But in the NFC Championship game, they went up against Bill Belichick's defense on Bill Parcell's New York Giants. And it was almost like they had no answer to it they were throwing these weird defensive formations out and the 49ers were still leading by, I think it was two points with or, or, or three points with like just a couple of minutes to go in the game. Uh, the ball was handed off to Roger Craig. He fumbled. It was recovered by Lawrence Taylor and the Giants kicked a field goal to, to win the game, go to the Super Bowl and eventually defeat the Buffalo Bills. This wiped out Joe Montana. He sat on the sideline for the entirety of 1991 and he was actually traded in 1992. Now, here's the thing. In 1991, Steve Young went 5-5. Five and five, And people were like, we thought he was going to be the best, you know, he was the best backup. Surely the 49ers aren't going to lose a beat because they didn't really lose any players. They still had Jenny Rice and John Taylor and Roger Craig and, and all these great players. But they, for some reason, the 49ers didn't gel in 1991. But George Seaford, who was then the head coach of the 49ers, said... I'm not worried one, bit. Steve Young is our guy and he's going to be fantastic. Now, Joe Montana is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And the link that he had with Jerry Rice seemed almost telepathic. They, you know, they had shattered records for the most uh, touchdowns from a quarterback to a receiver. Just obliterated everything. When Steve Young started in 1992... He led the league in percentage of completion in his first um, six years, five times he led the NFL. He won uh, two MVPs uh, and he was the second team, uh, sorry, second voting MVP in three years span. He was uh, all pro uh, four times in a row. He made seven Pro Bowls. In a row, he was just absolutely lights out. And here's the thing. His passer rating was better than Joe Montana's. His completion percentage was better than Joe Montana's. His touchdown to interception ratio was better than Joe Montana's. And he actually had a better, more yards and more touchdowns passing to Jerry Rice than Joe Montana did. And he did all of that in a seven-year span. Whereas Joe Montana had um, nine years and Steve Young was, by every measurable metric, a better quarterback than Joe Montana. However, the one thing that Steve Young did not have, that Joe Montana did, well at least at the time, four Super Bowl rings. Joe was the king in San Francisco and Steve Young when he was with the 49ers and they were the number 1 seed in 92 they were the number 1 seed in 1994 they were the number 2 seed in 1993 they they that was uh, that was um Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys that they ran into they met them in the NFC Championship game 3 years running 92 93 94 they lost in 92 they lost in 93 but in 1994 they came back and absolutely blew the doors off the Dallas Cowboys. Steve Young was incredible. And then he finally went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 29 against the San Diego Chargers and set what still holds today, an NFL record, six touchdown passes in the Super Bowl against the San Diego Chargers. I think he ran for one as well uh, and they just destroyed San Diego. And Steve Young finally got a Super Bowl ring. And when uh, he retired in, in 1999, and he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and quite rightly so. That was the career of Steve Young, who by every measurable stat was a better quarterback than Joe
1: Montana. Led to one of the best quotes I heard and one of the best sound bites when he said, uh, get the monkey off my back. <laughs> the relief he must have felt. Because like That's you say, right. the, 40, the 49ers fans always loved Joe Cool, And obviously, like you say, stats and, and measurables, Young was better. But the four... Super Bowl titles always kind of held over him. So the the relief he must have felt.
0: It was so bad that there were points in Steve Young's career. He was being booed by his own fans um, when they were winning. And uh, I think it was against the Detroit Lions in 1994. Keep in mind, in 1994, so by this point, he's made two All-Pro teams. He was Offensive Player of the Year... He was MVP. He already had an MVP and then was second in the voting MVP. And I forget the game it was. It might have been against the Detroit Lions. His own fans were cheering when he got injured. And you think, what is going on? It's, it's not that they hated Steve Young. They just couldn't imagine anyone. They were so incensed that the 49ers had traded Joe Montana because they did, they treated them to the Kansas City Chiefs, and actually in 1994, the 49ers played the Chiefs, and they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, and there were 49ers fans with Joe Montana placards, and who was playing for the opposing team at the time. You just, you, you try and wrap your head about it and go, what is going on here? This is absolutely insane. Steve Young was tough. He was a tough guy the game in fact the game against the Detroit Lions he, there's a, a very famous like shot of him crawling off the 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 pitch he got sandwiched between two uh, defensive tackles I think it was and he's crawling because he can't stand up and just dragging himself off the field at one point and then came back on and, and, and won the game for them Steve Young just a remarkable story but yeah I I, I remember that sort of kicked the monkey off my back and there was uh there it is Gone forever, and he finally won that Super Bowl. But he could he could easily have had another t- two or three, two or three uh, Super Bowls under his belt if it hadn't been for those Jimmy Johnson Cowboys. Well,
1: you say tough physically and mentally, like he's out to deal with one obviously living in someone's shadow, and two having your own team and your own fans kind of constantly remind you of it as well.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, my goodness, that's 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 hard. See, the thing was that Steve Young had been the backup. For the 49ers in 1998-1989, he had two Super Bowl rings. So it's, it's not like... Uh, it's like the fans thought he was incapable. You're, he's not incapable at all. He was uh, he was considered the best backup in the league, bar none. Nobody is better than him. You just happen to have Joe Montana, who was, let's not kid ourselves, the best postseason quarterback in the league. Uh, he was just insane, especially in Super Bowls. So I think, what was this... Um, 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions in the Super Bowls Joe Montana
1: yeah I think he threw one maybe two in the postseason
0: like full stop it is in his entire career he was just un- and if it hadn't been for that hit by Leonard Marshall in in the NFC Championship game the 49ers would have won three in a row they, they would have done they were unbelievable they had a ridiculous defense and offensively they were absolutely unstoppable um, um so yeah would
1: we have ever seen steve young
0: <sighs> unlikely i think well it not not as a 49er yeah
1: that's what i mean it's a it's insane how things you know happen for a reason or or how they you know kind of the chips fall in terms of that opened the door for steve young and he took the opportunity
0: with both hands. He certainly did. And, and as I say, statistically, he was just incredible. He was an incredible quarterback. And people forget how good he was at throwing the ball because he was considered a running quarterback because he was so athletic. In fact, there's two runs, and you'll know the ones I mean. There's the the, the ridiculous one against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they were the Los Angeles Rams at the time as well, back before they were St. Louis and then back to LA again. Um, and there's one against the Vikings, which I think was in the playoffs, where he's just he's just running. this, He's like a snake, just darting in and out, left and right and around, and defenders. It was an incredible run. Steve Young, uh, if, if you ever get a chance to watch like, career highlights of Steve Young, do it. The guy went through the absolute ringer, particularly early in his career, and he came out the other end and went all the way to Hall of Fame career. Now, you're talking about a guy, as I say, started off, uh, started his career with a 3-16 and 16 record and then was a backup for the next six years, uh, sorry, next five years, and he only started um, 13 games. And then he went on to have Hall of Fame career. That's, you know, as you say, mental toughness as well. Especially. A lot of guys who give up. A lot of guys who just give up and say I'm, I'm never getting a chance. So maybe some of the some of the young guys and backup quarterbacks in the NFL today can take some inspiration from the story, the legend that is Steve Young. And that's the end of my story time this week, Jake. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening to. Th- oh, sorry, Jake, did you have anything to add
1: at all? No, uh, I, well, not I, too I, much. But 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 backup quarterbacks, <laughs> like you say, take a chance. Tom Brady, Steve Young, take a chance.
0: Absolutely. Tom Brady got his shot uh, because of an injury. To Drew Bledsoe. Steve Young got the shot because of an injury to Joe Montana. I'm trying to think of any other examples of that. Where guys have just waltzed in as a backup. Phil, Phil Rivers, really. Drew Brees oh, was of course. San Diego and then a shoulder. Yes, yes, yes. My goodness, forgot all about that. There you are. Did Ben Rothless start because of an injury?
1: He started as his rookie Yeah, I don't know if it was because of an injury, but he definitely started his
0: rookie year. Did he so, not like in awesome. like week two or something like that? Of his rookie year. I can't remember. Yeah, they, he was to, definitely a rookie, so it makes sense. I'll need to look that up. Need to look that up. So there you are. Uh, that's uh, the end of this week's WinFL show. Thank you very much, Jake. It's always a pleasure having you here. We're uh, getting closer. We are. We've got um, one, two, three divisions left to go. Next week, we're going to be doing the NFC North. Hoping to have another special guest on for that one. We'll see how we get on. And we've once we've finished with those, it'll be... Pre-season time. I, I can't wait yeah. for it. We've, we've timed Training this. camp in the next week or so, so oh. we, we'll get in there. And we'll have more news, hopefully not too much injury news. I don't yeah, like I was going to
1: say, <laughs> training camp normally means, you know, a few ACLs here and there and you just say, go, cool that yeah. changes some of the predictions already
0: yeah ho- hopefully not but um, yeah training camp can't wait for that it's going to be great and then pre seasons just around the corner before you know it we'll be turning on the telly and Scott Hanson will be seeing seven hours of commercial free football starts now and I cannot wait for that uh, just uh, unbelievable it's, uh, off-season is the worst it's the worst time of year it's painful for everyone uh, I'm, I'm sure i'm not the only person who feels that it's just the days and weeks drag by but do you know what doing this podcast really seems to have speeded things up i, f- I firmly believe the offseason passing quicker than usual what do you reckon
1: well i hope so and i hope so for the listeners as well you know, season, there's not much to do not much to talk about we've got you covered
0: Yes, we do indeed. Now, once again, you can hit us up uh, on Twitter at the WinFL Show. And you can also find Jake, Dave, and myself. A uh, huge thanks once again to Tim Durbin for coming on and uh, talking about the NFC East there. As I say, we're going to try and get uh, another couple of guests on before the season actually starts. Hopefully, get someone next week for the NFC North. So, Jake, uh, thank you again. Always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to the WinFL Show. I'll catch you next week.